It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From the G Family Performance Center in Edmond, Oklahoma, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Thunder podcast. I am your gracious and humble host, Eric G, saying thank you so much for making us a part of your day. I'm also known as the Fat Hatter. Why? Because I'm fat and I like to wear hats. If you want any further proof of that, just go to uh, college sports, maven.io forward slash Oklahoma, and you can see some of the videos that uh, that I produced there. So enough of that. Let's talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder, because coming up tonight, the Thunder get back on the court to take on the Brooklyn Nets. Just how bad are the Brooklyn Nets? Well, we'll tell you coming up in segment number one. Just a hint, they're god-awful. They really are a terrible basketball team. But are they the worst basketball team in the NBA? We'll give you that in segment number one. Plus, Russell Westbrook went and rocked the baby to sleep on Reggie Jackson. Why that is significant? I I, I know that that we, you're maybe thinking to yourself, well, what's the big deal with that? No, there, there's some significance to that. And then we'll wrap it up talking about Dennis Schroeder making a good case for being the sixth man of the year. But is Dennis Schroeder going to be happy in that role if that's all the Oklahoma City Thunder have for him? It's definitely worth talking about. After watching the game this morning before I did the podcast, there was some major aggression on that Thunder defense. So what happens when Andre Robertson finally returns to the fold. Even though there's been a setback, if Andre Robertson comes back, does that mess with what the Thunder has been able to accomplish defensively so far this year? Also, we'll give you some of the numbers for the Thunder. And then in segment number three, I am going to do something. I I, I know I've done this on this podcast before, but I'm going to do it again. And I know it's very unpopular, But I'm going to defend that bastard Patrick Beverly because he did not deserve the fine nor the tech and getting ejected from the game with the Dallas Mavericks the other night. Plus, we're going to finish off today's podcast talking about how Seattle has a new hockey team, but why they don't deserve the Sonics back and why it's so ironic that Seattle ended up with an NHL team and the Oklahoma City Thunder are here in Oklahoma City, and OKC got the NBA team. So that is your show today in a nutshell. My name is Eric G. I work for 1340 The Game in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I also work for News Radio 1000 KTOK in Oklahoma City. And I've covered the Thunder now going into my sixth year. And uh, what else can I tell you? Um, If you like what you hear, I would ask that you would go to the Locked on Thunder website. That's LockedOnThunder.com. And check out our archive podcast plus video and audio from players and coaches. Segment number one now of the Locked on Thunder podcast. And the Oklahoma City Thunder are playing just a god-awful New Jersey Nets team tonight. How bad are the New Jersey Nets? Well, believe it or not, they are not the worst team in the NBA. They definitely could be the worst team in the NBA, but they're not. 
Uh, they've only won eight games this entire season, and they've lost seven straight games, eight and 17 overall, but that's still not bad enough to be the worst team in the NBA. That would go to the Chicago Bulls, who recently made the coaching change to get rid of Fred Hoiberg and bring in Jim Boylan. The funny thing with the Nets, though, is I don't see this as a roster that is completely devoid of any talent whatsoever. They have guys you know. If you've watched the NBA for any extended period of time, you know who Alan Crabb is and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and Jared Allen, and you should know Spencer Dinwiddie and D'Angelo Russell. In fact, Spencer Dinwiddie's a guy that probably should be on your fantasy team if he's not already. However, for whatever reason, and I don't think that this is necessarily, I mean, look, they've, now granted, they've got Jared Dudley, who I think is like 50 years old, um, and then they've got a bunch of guys that you've you've never heard of sitting on the bench. All that being said, there's enough talent there that you should be better than 8 and 17, and I don't think that this is necessarily a roster problem that the Nets have, and I know that the Nets are trying not to be good this year because there's a lot of cap space that they have, and they want to be very attractive to free agents, and they should be able to go out, and at least with Brooklyn and the idea of coming to, to New York, they should be attractive to free agents, but the Nets follow into the Mets category, and I always point out the Mets here because you, every time you think things are going along great for an organization like that, somehow it always takes this really weird left turn, something you just didn't see coming, and ultimately anything that they had an opportunity to accomplish, it just blows up in their face. Whether it's making that bad trade to get what you got of the big three from the Boston Celtics when those guys were aging, maybe it was the bad hire of Jason Kidd, and what happened with him and Lawrence Frank undermining him, during that whole time period, just every foot they try and put in front of the, one in front of the other just never works out for the Nets. And that's why I don't think we'll ever see the Nets be good anytime soon. They've got all the stuff there to do it. It's just not going to happen. I, and I think what's going to hurt them even worse is the fact that the Knicks will probably be able to get Kevin Durant this next year. And you'll see the Knicks go on the rise while the Nets continue to take a stumble. But this isn't a podcast about the Brooklyn Nets, and I've just talked about them for a ton. I think the Thunder will be able to go on. If the Thunder just play the way that they're capable of playing, and even if the Thunder give what just a half-assed effort tonight, they should be able to blow out the Brooklyn Nets. I wouldn't even say that you'd have to play a full 48 minutes to win this game. If you can play 46 this is the type of team that can get that that can quit on you, but you still have to go out and play those 46 minutes, and hopefully you can take the last two off and have all your bench players in, and then the Thunder Cruise to another win this year. And let's get to the Oklahoma City Thunder because Dennis Schroeder is certainly making a case for being the sixth man of the year. And I was looking on uh, one of the fan-sided websites that was uh, pointing out everything that uh, Dennis Schroeder had accomplished this year. And, you know, you're looking at a guy that's averaging about 16 points per game and five assists, and he's uh, started when he's had to. He comes off the bench. He can play multiple roles for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And he's he's getting noticed by basketball people. 
And there's going to be a logjam for that particular award. Um, as pointed out in this article, you still have Lou Williams, J.J. Barea, Demonis Sabonis, all these guys. You, you know the usual suspects that'll have an opportunity to end up winning that sixth man of the year. But the more Dennis Schroeder keeps playing, the more run he gets, the more the, more the talk is going to circle around back to Dennis Schroeder and him being worthy of this award. And really, anybody that's voting on this award is very plugged into the NBA. And I would think that they would know to vote for Dennis Schroeder. This isn't like voting for the Heisman, where one, you've got way too many votes that are given out, and two, people feel biased towards their region. That just doesn't work that way in the NBA. And the more Dennis Schroeder gains attention, the more the Oklahoma City Thunder gain attention. And right now, and you think about where the Thunder are, which is about second place in the NBA West at this point. They're really still flying under the radar, and I told you they would. I told you that this was a great situation for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Even starting 0-4 is working to the Thunder's advantage because right now, every national outlet that talks about the NBA on a daily basis can't quit talking about Golden State. They can't quit talking about what's going on in Los Angeles. The Raptors, if you saw Kyle Lowry's interview with Rachel Nichols, hey, don't miss that tonight. Um, even if it means you've got a DBR ESPN, they're doing all access with the Raptors. And Kyle Lowry still has major issues with management in Toronto. You've got Boston. You've got all these storylines that everybody's talking about. Even the Milwaukee Bucks are getting more run than the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I have to think that Billy Donovan... Russell Westbrook and Paul George like it this way because they're just quietly going about their business. And if you watch them play, the Thunder don't play quietly. They're just not as sexy as a story as all these other storylines are. And the only time you're going to see the Thunder get run this year is at the turn of the year. At the beginning of the year, if the Thunder are still playing the way that they are, they will be talked about a lot more on the jump and on, um, I'm sure they're getting run on NBA TV, but the jump in TNT on nights that they're not playing, then people will start chirping about them. But until that time, just relax and kind of enjoy the fact that Oklahoma City has its own little secret that the rest of the world just isn't quite in on yet. And I'm not so sure I'm ready for the world to be in on that secret. It's, it's kind of like that band that that band that you you discovered either when you were in your early teenage years or when you were in college and they hadn't quite broke yet, um, I guess for my generation it would be bands like U2 and REM. Like you bought the album before everyone else did, and then all of a sudden, Document comes out or Joshua Tree comes out, and everybody's like, "Oh, this is the greatest band in the world." But you have collected those albums throughout time, and you're like, "Yeah, I knew this. Why were you telling me they sucked? You know, for five years?" Well, I just, uh, playing on radio. That's what the Oklahoma City Thunder are becoming. And finally, Russell Westbrook on uh, on Monday night rocking the baby on Reggie Jackson, which I find quite significant um, because Russ and Kevin Durant, I mean, if we just believe the hug and some of the things out there are working on sort of burying the hatchet or at least not vocally hating each other in the media, Whereas Reggie Jackson and Russell Westbrook, to me, that was uh, that was a sign of total disrespect towards Reggie Jackson. And it tells me that, one, whatever happened in Oklahoma City with Reggie and Russ 
can't really be repaired, at least from a Russell Westbrook standpoint. Now, Reggie may be the type that's like, hey, I'm over it, I'm traded, I'm not in that situation anymore. But whatever happened, whatever lack of respect in Russ's mind that Reggie showed him during during that period here in Oklahoma City can't be repaired. And we always look for guys who could probably go back to their original teams. Reggie Jackson is not going to have that option as long as Russell Westbrook is here. And what's sad about that is that I really honestly believe that Reggie's athletic enough and savvy enough where if Dennis Schroeder decided to leave after this year because he's sixth man of the year and and you've got to ask the question, is Dennis Schroeder really going to be happy in that role during his time here in Oklahoma City? If there was some way you could get Reggie Jackson back to fill that void, if Reggie was like, hey, look, I kind of screwed up, whatever, I I don't think that's going to be there. I think Russell Westbrook would do everything in his power to make sure that Sam Presti never signed this guy again. So if the Thunder gets stuck looking for an athletic point guard, just know that that is a road that they cannot go down because the mutual disrespect is so vehement between those two guys, or at least from Russell Westbrook's end. This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. I am Eric G. Coming up next, where the hell is all this aggression coming from and why it's a good thing? It's all right here on LOT. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Thunder Podcast. I am Eric G. We'll have another episode of Locked On Sooners dropping this afternoon. And Todd McShay believes that Kyler Murray would be a first-round pick in the NFL draft. And it's hard to disagree with him considering how NFL offenses are being run right now. But the thing that I am going to get to today in Locked On Sooners, and I'm looking very forward to this, people just don't seem satisfied with letting Kyler Murray play professional baseball. It's not good enough that Kyler Murray wants to pursue that as a career path. It's almost as if this year that may ultimately win him the Heisman has put people in a position where they demand that he continue to play football, even though that may be not exactly what he wants. So we'll discuss that today coming up on Locked on Suitors, and you can get that at Apple iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, and Alexa. Also at LockedOnPodcast.com and subscribe today and go to Apple iTunes and rate us five stars if in fact you think we are worth five stars. This is the Locked on Thunder Podcast. I am Eric G. I, okay, I have nothing to back this up. Okay, this is completely, purely conjecture. But I am totally convinced that the Oklahoma City Thunder, once the media has left the locker room and once Billy Donovan and the other coaches have come in and and scribbled on the whiteboard about what the Thunder need to do tonight in order to 
to win a basketball game. I believe when they when all those people leave, that Steven Adams cranks up Slayer. Or Russell, yeah, better yet, it's Russell Westbrook cranking up Slayer. You remember a couple of years ago when Russ's fashion statement was to wear all the classic heavy metal band t-shirts? One of the ones he wore was Slayer. Even though I thought Russell was probably more of an Anthrax guy or, I don't know, being from Los Angeles, maybe more of a Megadeth guy. Yeah, Megadeth a little bit more fitting of Russ than, than, than Anthrax or Metallica if you're just going big four. But I'm convinced that that's what happens, is that Russ cranks up Slayer and everybody just gets really intense and pissed off and then they go out and just play as aggressive as humanly possible. That is what I noticed this morning when I went back and watched the game is how aggressive they were playing against the Detroit Pistons. Nerlens Noel on Blake Griffin. Paul George being very active on the boards and grabbing five early rebounds. Russell playing at the, at the breakneck pace that he does. Steven Adams just doing his thing. I mean, there is an aggression there that we have not seen from the Oklahoma City Thunder in quite some time. And my philosophy on why you are seeing that aggression is because you've got guys overcompensating for the fact that their best defensive player is on the bench and may not come back this year in a a guy in um, Andre Robertson. But, But let's just assume that Andre Robertson does come back this year. First of all, I'm going to pull up the numbers here. And uh, thanks to our good friend Brett Dawson at The Athletic for providing these. But Oklahoma City so far leads the NBA in forcing turnovers per game. And they're forcing 17 per game. Um, They're sixth in the league in holding an opponent's field goal percentage. And they're fourth in an opponent's three-point shooting, which I find funny because it, it seems like every single Billy Donovan press conference always talks about how Billy always opens up the press conference about how the Thunder did not defend the three very well, especially in the early part of the game. And it's like, um, Billy, have you, have, have you looked at the stats? I mean, you guys are fourth in opponents shooting the three on you. So obviously you're doing a good job of defending the three. And Billy being the analytical mind will tell you contested three, non-contested three, what is a highly contested three, so forth and so on. And he's a fascinating guy to talk to, which honestly, man, if Billy Donovan's not doing that, you can make a ton of money if you're Billy Donovan. If you just sit down with the average fan and talk basketball with him uh, a couple of times a year, you do money for charity in that. Um, But that's what I see with the Thunder is that they're overcompensating for the loss of Andre Robertson, which is a good thing. This team wants to play defense. And we talk so much about how defense is strictly effort. The one thing you cannot complain about with the Oklahoma City Thunder, if you're a fan, you can't complain about the effort on a night-to-night basis because this team really understands what's at stake here in the Western Conference. The message has somehow gotten through that every single night's going to be a dogfight. No, you're not going to win every single night, but you got to go out and play like you want to win every single night. And, And that's the thing with NBA players, especially when you get into the dog days of January, you get to that time right around the trade period, teams tend to get a little lackadaisical, especially if they've built up a big lead for a particular spot in their playoff position, and they know that it's going to be very difficult for 
for anybody underneath them to knock them out. They can kind of go on a three, four game losing streak and just not really be paying attention. They're tired and they're ready to get the season over with and go to the playoffs. Thunder aren't going to have that luxury this year. Nobody in the West is. And at this point, Golden State doesn't even have that luxury. Now let them get their full complement of players back and maybe they will have that luxury at some point this season. Maybe not necessarily in the dog days, but around March, they just might. But when Andre Robertson comes back, my fear is, is that guys say, all right, man, Dre's back. He's our best defensive player. We don't have to play as hard. So we'll let Dre come in and do his thing. And then I'll just concentrate on one end of the court. And that absolutely cannot happen this year. Um, And it almost, in a weird way, I mean, you're not better without Andre Robertson, not defensively. Um, just like OU isn't necessarily better without Trey Young being there on that basketball team. However, sometimes the loss of somebody that is so good or one person that is really good in a particular area can make a unit more cohesive. doesn't make them better, but they become more cohesive. And the hope is that when Andre Robertson comes back, the effort stays there. The attention to detail stays there. The the effort of the want to, I mean, I know that that's kind of redundant. And that Andre can just add to that and you don't have to worry about the Thunder just kind of blowing off what they've done so far defensively this year. But it's amazing. And, and Billy, man, chill. Chill on the guys not defending the three well, the fourth. I mean, I, well, you want them to be first? Okay, you want them to be first. This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. I am Eric G. Coming up next, I do it again. I defend that bastard, Patrick Beverly, right here on LOT. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to the Locked on Thunder podcast. I am Eric G. want to thank you uh, for making us a part of your day. Locked on Thunder can be found every day at LockedOnThunder.com and LockedOnPodcast.com. And you can subscribe on Apple iTunes. You can also tell your smart speaker to play us. So that would be Google, Alexa, Stitcher, Spotify. Hey, wherever you think you can find great podcasts, the Locked On Podcast Network is there. We're not just Locked On Thunder, but uh, we've got the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, and college is covered, and I hope you're enjoying Locked On Sooners as well. If you haven't subscribed to that podcast, please do so, especially as we get closer to the college football playoffs. There's a lot of fun uh, that we'll be having on that show. This is the Locked On Thunder podcast, and I have to do it again. I have to defend Patrick Beverly because him getting fined $25,000 by the NBA is complete crap. Um, I hope the NBA understands why it is crap that they are 
that they have hit Beverly for $25,000. And certainly, if you are one of Patrick Beverly's teammates on the Los Angeles Clippers, you need to find a way to reimburse this guy. Start a GoFundMe account. I don't care. If I if I had 20, if I just had a spare 25 grand laying around, I would actually send it to Patrick Beverly. And here's why. On Saturday, the Clips are playing the Dallas Mavericks. And the Mavericks have this super fan, this guy by the name of Don Nobler. Don Nobler. Isn't that that a great name? I'm Don Nobler. Don Nobler, real estate agent. Don Nobler, your insurance. Don Nobler, the Nobler man. I don't know. Um, So this dude, Don Nobler, sits along the baseline at, at Mavericks games. So he obviously spends a lot of money with the team, and he's known for wearing these Yeah, outrageous outfits, whatever. He's very flamboyant. Well, he gets into an an arguing match. He decides, hey, I've paid my money. I'm going to go ahead and heckle Patrick Beverly. And during the course of the game, Beverly ended up knocking out somebody's tooth. I don't know who it is. Don't care. They play for the Mavericks, so pretty much they're insignificant. So Beverly knocks out this guy's tooth, and Don Nobler... Don Nobler, good old Don Nobler, decides that uh, he's going to tell Patrick Beverly, F you, and according to Patrick Beverly, F your mother. Patrick Beverly then sends a bounce pass, a very accurate bounce pass towards Don Nobler. And Nobler is able to get his hands on it. I mean, the dude looks like he's about 70 years old, maybe in his late 60s, but hey, the way he handled that bounce pass, I'm thinking the cat could be out on the court. For that, Beverly got ejected and he got fined $25,000. He didn't throw it at him. He didn't aim it at his face, which if somebody told me F your mother, that's exactly what I would have done was aim it at their face. I might've even punched them. But this is when the NBA has got to step in and do a better job of protecting their players. And there needs to be an investigation done. This can't just be, okay, it's Patrick Beverly's word against Don Nobler's word. You need to talk to Don Nobler. You need to talk to all his friends that sit along the baseline with him. You need to talk to the teammates. And it may just come down to a he said, he said sort of thing. But if in fact Nobler did say F your mother, then that dude should be banned from every single Dallas Mavericks home game this year and shouldn't be allowed in an NBA arena for the rest of the season. Just because you buy a ticket and just because you pay a high price to sit along the baseline and get sweat on you or maybe hopefully take a player home that night if they fall into your lap, which I think that would be a great promotion for the NBA. Hey, Steven Adams fell in my lap. I'm taking him home for the night. Um, If that is the case... You still need to conduct your you still need to conduct yourself with some decorum. And if the players want to talk to you and you want to talk back to them and there's some good-natured ribbing going on, fine. Even if there's an FU thrown either way or you suck or whatever. But once you start getting personal with talking about a guy's mom, talking about a guy's wife, a family, a racial background, whatever, then you gotta go. You you forfeit that privilege to be in that high price seat. And you shouldn't be allowed not only back in your home arena, but no but but no other arena should allow you back in for the rest of the season. And, and if the, it is determined that, then yes, Don Nobler deserves at least a one-year suspension from uh, sitting in the Dallas Mavericks seat. Or, or, hey, you don't want to serve the suspension? Fine, we let you get in the ring 
and you get to go around, you get to go three rounds with Patrick Beverly. And if you're willing to go three rounds with Patrick Beverly, then we'll let you have your seats back. But until that time, no. I, I, just, I can't get down with this because it's just, it's complete and total lack of human respect. And, and regardless of what you may feel for one particular player and how he's treated your team or not treated your team or, or maybe he said something about your city, there's just places that you, we don't go as humans. And unfortunately, good old Don Nobbler went there. Sorry, I just I have a lot of fun saying that guy's name. Finally, we wrap things up today talking about the Seattle new hockey team that is going to be there, the NHL. Congratulations to the city of Seattle. And they're going to be called the Sockeyes, which I found out are Red Salmon. Or at least that's what the fans want them to be called is the Sockeyes. I would think the Bleach, the Bad Motor Fingers, the Barracudas, the Purple Haze. Um, the Teen Spirit, I heard that one today. I thought that was good. Maybe the wood. This is the wood, like for Alice in Chains, or the men in the box, which you know they're going to play when somebody gets sent to the penalty box. You know that that's going to be played every time one of the opponents goes to the penalty box. It'll be ad nauseum, and Seattle fans will get sick of it. However, the reason I bring this up is I saw an article that said that Seattle deserves the Sonics back, and the truth of the matter is that Seattle does not deserve the Sonics back. Um, because they didn't do what they needed to do to keep them. When the Sonics demanded a new arena, and I will agree with fans, I do think sometimes it borders on the ridiculous when teams do this, then you as a city have got to decide, is it important to keep, is it not important to keep? And Seattle chose that it wasn't important to keep. Vilify Clay Bennett all you want, he did what was best for the organization, and there's some place where they love. Just think about it this way. If your wife tells you to clean up, get a job, start taking showers and start cleaning up around the house, you don't do that, she leaves. Well, just because you start doing that when she leaves, if she meets someone else, then you don't necessarily deserve somebody of her caliber coming back. Maybe you'll be lucky enough to get somebody of her caliber, but you don't deserve it. And I wish nothing, I don't wish any ill will on the city of Seattle, but the Thunder are ours, baby. Um, you let that train get out of town and it's, it's not coming back. And what I find so ironic is that when the peak was built or the Ford center, which is what it originally was, the thought was, is that Oklahoma city would get a hockey team and that hockey would be the best for Oklahoma city. One, because you had the CHL team and the blazers that were a lot of fun to go to. They had a built in following. It would just transcend uh, people wanting to go watch the NHL or at the time, Uh, Local talk show hosts didn't even want the NHL. They wanted the IHL, and it wouldn't be competing with OU-OSU basketball. It's not how things worked out. And the Thunder are here, and it's been a fabulous run. But I'm tired of of crying boo-hoo for the city of Seattle. Congratulations on the new hockey team, but it's time to let the Sonics go, man. Of course, I say that, and I'm never going to let Kevin Durant go. So, yeah, I'm a total hypocrite. That wraps up today's episode of Locked on Thunder. I thank you for joining us. My name is Eric G., the Fat Hatter. We'll be back tomorrow to uh, dissect what happens tonight versus the Brooklyn Nets. And until tomorrow, may God bless you and your family. Everybody love everybody, and peace, love, and thunder. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team Every day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.